This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hi, kiddos. It's been fun. It's too late. I got to go to bed. Uh, yeah, me too. Yeah, I don't catch you guys, guys later. Lame. You guys are lame. And bye. And bye. No one's going to stay up and edit this podcast with me? (laughs) Damn. I really appreciate you, Neil. I feel so alone. Cannot play with him. Cannot win with him. Cannot go with him. Can't do it. Welcome to the Clock Dodgers Podcast. I'm your host, Neil. With me is Mr. Obvious Takes Adam. What up, Adam? Oh, Adam doesn't want to acknowledge that? Adam dropped out. What happened there? We lost Adam's audio. Mr. Obvious doesn't want to answer. (laughs) Mr. Obvious, you there? Whoa, can you hear me now? Oh, we can hear you. That was fucking weird. <laughs> what the hell? Is this guy serious or is this playing? I don't know what's going on right now. <laughs> no, I'm I'm not playing. Could you guys not hear me? We really couldn't hear you. Cool. But it's alright. Okay. It's, it's uh it perfectly it, it planned it fell perfectly where you just went dead air when I called you what you were, so uh <laughs> it was perfect. Uh we also got Mr. Brand New Josh in the building. He's brand new with that crystal clear mic. What's up, Josh? Hey, how's it going? Man, you hear that voice even better with that mic. Excellent. Excellent. I don't know why Josh said, I don't think my mic's working. And I called him and it was working fine. There was no issue at all. The Skype thing would not play any audio back to me. So oh, I like, the, like the test? like. Yeah. Yeah, that test. That lady's annoying. Her voice is annoying. This is Skype test. Like, come on, man. At least upgrade the voice while you're doing this anyway we're all here has some technical difficulties to start with but we're, we're here we're here in the building what have you guys been up to man anything new same old same old same work same old. work fucking work that work thing always creeps up man we're gonna have to figure out something about uh next week's episode i'm already thinking ahead because i'm actually gonna be on a road trip to, to new york so we're probably not gonna be able to record next tuesday guys fancy so, fancy what's yeah. in new york ah my grandmother's 90th birthday so whoa yeah exciting i'm kind of glad that she's made it to 90 because it makes me feel good about my prospects but uh you know you never know you never know how that plays out is that selfish of me <laughs> i don't know if that's selfish. yes oh it is i mean it's yeah i mean well i mean i'm happy <laughs> for her happy. i mean i'm happy for her but I'm also happy that it helps me out a little bit, I think. I mean, like, you know, technically you would think it does. 
Was she living on the chicken tender diet? I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what she's living on in New York, but uh, they always swear they're better than us down here, up there than they are than we are down here. So maybe they're not eating chicken tenders. She's probably doing something. Everybody's over. better than Florida. <laughs> Seriously, I go to New York and it's like all these Florida jokes, and I'm like, I don't get it. Like, just lay off the Florida jokes. It's lame. Unless you're talking about the Dolphins, and I'm with it. Anyway, anyway, let's go ahead and jump into this episode since I did start us off a little bit late today due to some technical issues. Let's go ahead and jump straight into our favorite new segment, which is premature victory laps. I think we all have victory laps to take this week again. I I mean, we did them last week kind of going like, I guess we could say it was like from week one and two or however we wanted to look at it, just how the week season started. But this week, I kind of wanted to just do it. I guess each week going forward, we can do it off of the week that we just passed. So week three just passed. So let's talk about, let's throw out some names here that we have had some success with last week that we've been you know, champion all along here or holding on to for a long time or believing in for a long time. Josh, with your fancy ass new mic, why don't you go first? Uh, so my premature victory lap for the week is Keenan Allen and it doesn't feel premature. It feels, it feels very mature. Uh, <laughs> I, I wrote an article about him over the summer about how the last time Melvin Gordon was out, he was basically the one that had the upside in that offense. And it looks like the same thing is happening. I, I just regret that I didn't buy more of him in the offseason because he was going like in the third round, which is a great deal for Keenan Allen. But so you like glad to, to see him smashing like he is. Yeah. Yeah, it took a little bit, especially I think you take extra satisfaction in it because you want to see Mike Williams suffer. So you well, assume as long yeah. as Keenan does really, really good, Mike Williams probably didn't do amazing. I heard today that they were even cutting back his snaps. Like, they don't even want him on the field anymore. It's just so sad. <laughs> this guy here cutting back his snaps. He's so excited about it. You're a hater, man. That's all there is to it. But no, Keenan I, Allen I am. Keenan Allen's, uh, you know, a good victory lap. Adam, do you have a victory lap over there? A victory lap or two? I'm going to take the uh, one victory lap for the year that I think those of us that drafted Tony Pollard late in the year, thinking that he'll take over for Ezekiel Elliott if Ezekiel misses any time, will get. Uh, I mean, last week he had the perfect matchup, and thank God he did something with it because it might be the uh, the only usable week he has for a lot of my best ball teams. But uh, I'm going to take this victory lap while I can. Yeah, that's a good one. We'll talk about tony a little bit more also in the podcast or in trust or trust issues but uh yeah actually i got one other one i wanted to throw out which honestly he's not even a guy i tout but i own him in a bunch of dynasty teams because he's a chicago bear and he's like free in dynasty but that was taylor gabriel last night i in no way saw that coming but watching him ball out and score three touchdowns was super neat like i just I, I mean, that really came out of nowhere. I mean, Mitchell Trubisky playing well at all kind of came out of nowhere. But, uh, but yeah, so it's not no, so much a premature victory lap as it is just like a celebration of a guy who I, I did not expect to see that out of. Yeah, I, I was thinking, like, you know, I benched Mitchell <laughs> and, and uh, Scott Fishbowl even because I was like, I'm tired of these six-point weeks and shit. And then he fucking goes for 20-something points. I'm like, are you kidding me? It was like in the first quarter still or like first half, and I'm like, what is going on right now? And I was like, oh, God, Taylor Gabriel, what is this? Did you have him playing in, like, best balls, or was it just, like, Dynasty Leagues and stuff that you had him, like, on the bench? 
No, I do have him in some best oh, okay. balls. I, I didn't even check my ownership, but I should look at it because there was definitely a part in the year where I was drafting him in like the 18th round of drafts. Just because he, I mean, he projected all year to be the number two on that offense. And with Trey Burton all banged up, he projected to be potentially second in targets, maybe third in targets behind like Tariq Cohen. So it was a good situation, but I, I mean, I never expected him to have a blow up week. I even played DFS last night and <laughs> didn't have him rostered. So. Yeah. Definitely didn't see it coming. Yeah, good for him, man. Good for Taylor Gabriel. I'm gonna take a few victory laps, guys. First of all, Philip Lindsay. Hello. Got to. My man came in. My man finally came put it all together. So Philip Lindsay, gotta take that one. I feel like Marlon Mack is still not getting enough credit because he's still ball he's still doing pretty damn good every week. Even with Andrew Luck gone. Everyone said he was gonna be less, you know, less valuable because of that. But, you know, with Joe, Jacoby, he's still doing good. And my other one, of course, is I'm not going to stop talking about my man all year, Darren Waller, bro. Come on, man. Come on. Even when the Raiders play horrible, Darren Waller is just not going to fail you, man. It just is what it is. It just is what it is. It's just been crushing it, man. Just killing it. I love it. Him and Mark Andrews have just been like the late round tight end dreams of this year. Yeah, you just keep wondering every week which one is going to stop first. (laughs) I mean, so far for the first three weeks, that might be the position that's been most turned on its head with, uh, you know, Kelsey, Kittle, and Ertz, all three not really living up to their draft capital at all. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's I don't know. I, I feel like it's good, though, in a way, like, you, you feel those guys are eventually going to, you know, come around, and then you got all these other guys that we didn't, or people didn't expect too much to do so well, and so if they all can get on the same page at the same time, man, we might have some actual tight ends to be using these days. Um, we'll see. So that was our premature victory laps. Get mad at us if you want. We're going to do it every week. We're going to brag every week about the right plays, and we're not going to talk about the wrong ones, right, guys? Not gonna you forget that. about those. Super we don't do that. We forget about those, just like we do on our locks of the week, our not-so-obvious locks of the week, which we want to forget about, too. All right. Let's go into trust issues. See, Let's see what we got here. We got some interesting names on the list. We're going to start with the new starting quarterback in Carolina right now because good old Cam Newton is injured, and it's Kyle Allen. I don't know how many people have shares of Kyle Allen before Cam went down because everyone thought Cam was going to have a great season. But since Cam went down, Kyle Allen played last week. What kind of numbers did he put up, Josh? So on 215 air yards, he had four touchdowns, which that's just – like a 15.4% TD rate. You know, Lamar Jackson right now is sitting at 7% TD rate. So, I mean, it's good that he came out and was successful, but I, you're you're just not going to continue scoring touchdowns like that. So, I mean, he he looked good in other categories besides just scoring touchdowns. He was efficient with his passing, had a good completion percentage, good yards per attempt. But I, I, I think... He probably just, you know, started off running pretty hot and will cool off some. I love that we're so into analytics and stats that we even find ways to hate people when they do good. Well, like, yeah, that, that was amazing, and he's not going to do it again. <laughs> if you, he he could go out and have that same yard, that same yardage throwing the ball, and he's probably only going to have two touchdowns, which puts him at, you know. 12 points less, maybe eight points less, depending on your league. Yeah, it's a big it's thing. Just, you know, it takes a lot of the heat off of that 24-point week. Yeah. What I will say is that I don't know if it's been confirmed that Cam has a list Frank injury, but I've seen that it was like being thrown around out there. Um, 
which, you know, those are no joke. And I feel like as well as, as, as long as Kyle Allen continues to play good and produce and like, you know, you know hopefully win games, I feel like they're not going to rush Cam back in that case. And so this could be a kind of prolonged thing here. I'm not saying the whole season, but Kyle Allen could play for a while as a starter. Um, I, I, I actually trust the guy for some weird reason. I don't know. I just trust him because he has all these good weapons, right? We, we, no one's going to dispute that he has weapons and that, you know, he has safety valves and guys that he could just trust and that any quarterback would love to have and just, you know, throw the ball to them. So I feel com- confident. Like, I don't know if he's going to have these kind of weeks every week. Like, like you said, it's very uh, volatile, the, the way the numbers look as far as how he got them. But I, th- I feel like you could trust Kyle Allen, especially if you're in a super flex you know, if you're doing DFS to kind of shake things up, but am I the only one who trusts Kyle Allen here? Or do you guys like trust him overall as like a decent quarterback? Oh, I got to trust him. Yeah. Air raid disciple, yo. <laughs> oh, come on now. I I mean, I, I love it. Last week, you know, eight of the 32 starting quarterbacks in the NFL came from college air raid systems. I mean, so I'm, I'm jumping on board with anybody who, uh, who, you know, has that air raid background and yeah i mean you know josh is completely right you know he'll see touchdown regression he's not going to throw four touchdowns every week blah 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 blah. the exciting stuff is that he's willing to push the ball downfield that he is going to have a ton of weapons at his disposal i mean that offense is really was being underutilized with cam and cam's limited ability and i think that with Kyle Allen coming in there, it's it's really opening up what they're able to do. And I'm excited to see if this kind of continues. I mean, we've seen it before where guys can come in and kind of have a flash-in-the-pan performance where it just is hot for one week, and then they kind of level back out and become like a Case Keenum. Um, but that being said, that first week was super exciting. So, I mean, I'm excited to see what he can do. I'm definitely want him out there in any like two QB super flex leagues that I have him in. I think he's a, even a viable streamer this week in, in a lot of leagues. Damn. So we both trust him. I know Josh, you felt a little concerned, but do you trust him still? Or are you thinking it is well, a flash it, in the pan? It's a good point that he has good weapons. So I, he may come out and still look solid. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I wouldn't say that I, I don't trust him. I just don't think that he's going to, you know, he's not going to put up 24, Every week, especially right. not on the back of four touchdowns. Right. That, that's, that's the, the touchdowns are my only concern with him. That's fair. I, I wouldn't say that I don't trust him. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, I, what, I, what I'm excited about with all these quarterbacks is that in the past, when a quarterback went out, when a starting quarterback went out, you felt like doom and gloom. Like, there's like it's going to get really bad. But, like, for the last few times this has happened, like – Kyle Allen, Gardner Minshew, even the rookies, Daniel Jones, all these guys, like, they're actually playing pretty well. So, like, it's exciting that, like, when a starting quarterback goes out, at least for some of these teams, it's not over. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't feel that confident, like, say, the Raiders, <laughs> like Mike Glennon or something. But, like, these young guys are doing well when they're coming, you know, when they're being forced to play. So it almost makes you wonder, like, I don't know, man. I feel like some teams should really just start getting some of these old guys out of there, like Joe Flacco, get the fuck out of here. Because these young kids are finding success, man. There's obviously something going on, man. Like, are no, you guys excited about I all these young guys? I completely agree. Yeah. I mean, your, your Oakland Raiders should take note. Yeah. You know? Get yeah, rid of these yeah. old guys, these old <laughs> Derek Carr types, and start bringing in some young blood. Hey, I, I, like I won't lie, man. I, I won't lie. There's a lot of Raider fans right now calling for Derek's head, man. They're not Shocking. happy. They're not happy. They're not happy. 
we'll see. But I'm excited about all these nice, you know, all these young quarterbacks. Even if they're flashing, whatever you want to call it, they're doing something, and it's exciting, and it's fun, and it, you know, it's a lot better than just doom and gloom as soon as your starting quarterback goes out. So it's fun to yeah. see how it's working out. Um, the next guy, you mentioned him earlier in our premature victory laps, Tony Pollard had a huge game in Dallas, Adam. But do you trust him going forward? Oh, man, I laid it up before. There's there's no way you can trust him <laughs> going forward. I mean, this is just – essentially, this is what happens when teams play Miami. It's going to be like this all year. Miami could end up breaking survivor pools because it just seems like they're not going to be competitive at all this year. And, uh, I mean, really – in regards to Pollard's huge performance, I think that's that is what you want to see for sure when someone like that's given the opportunity and given touches. I mean, I think it's a great sign for his, you know, long term production. But outside of an Ezekiel Elliott injury, I just think that, you know, it's foolish to think that he's gonna get enough volume to really be a productive fantasy asset. So I think, you know, if you have him in best ball, that was an awesome spike week. You might get one or two more of those down the stretch, but unless Ezekiel gets injured, I I think that he's basically just a handcuff at this point. Yeah, I agree. We both have trust issues with him. Josh, I'm assuming you're in the same boat. Yeah, the the Cowboys have just had extremely, extremely positive game scripts so far. And so because of that, they're not wanting to run Zeke into the ground. Not when they have, you know, Tony Pollard in the backfield who's who's competent at the least. But unless you unless you think that they're going to continue to blow teams out every week, I don't see how we can expect Tony Pollard to get any kind of real volume. I mean, right now he's getting 1.3 targets per game, so that's about the same as Frank Gore, Latavius Murray. It, he's gotten, I think, 10, 10 carries per game, and, and that's that would work, but I don't think that's going to continue. Yeah, I I don't trust him at all. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it's important for us to talk about him because when players have those kind of weeks, we we know a lot of people who either, you know, were excited about him before or now, you know, will get excited again, like I told you so. There's the, you know, the casual players who see this kind of stuff and they think that, oh, you know, this is going to be some new trend. My bigger question to you guys that, you know, we haven't talked about together at all is if Tony Pollard in Dynasty, right, if he shows these kind of flashes, do we think he'll rot away in Dallas, or do we think at some point they'll either trade him or somebody will come looking for him, or do you think we're just he's just going to be a guy even in Dynasty who just kind of rots away? Yeah, I mean, I'd be super afraid of him turning into, like, another Tevin Coleman type situation. Yeah. where, Or Jarek McKinnon or any other of these elite talent backs that get stuck in situations where they're not given opportunities early in their careers, and then... By the time they are given opportunities, just kind of fizzle out or, or get injured. I mean, there's there's so much to the running back position being a young man's game, and the more touches that you take, the more banged up you're going to be. And the hope is that, okay, well, if you're not taking those touches early in your career, then at least later in your career when you're given the opportunity, you won't have as much wear and tear on the tires. But it's just it's not been that case with so many guys who we've seen fall into similar situations. So... I definitely I wouldn't feel great about his long-term prospects, but he seems extraordinarily talented. So if he's able to get out of Dallas, or you know if they move on from Zeke or something, I mean there's there's, I mean sorry there's no moving on from Zeke after the contract. So I don't <laughs> I don't know where that thought came from. But 
ultimately, I mean, if Tony Pollard is able to find himself a starting goal, either that being Zeke misses time or he finally gets out of Dallas, by the time that rolls around, I think it's it's fair to question if he'll still be the same level of player that he is right now. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I'm always curious about something. I mean, for some reason, when Dynasty, you know, you start to think ahead, and you're like, damn, will this guy have value later, or is this like, you know, the top, the top of the, the top of the, uh, the, the value for him right now? Like, you always kind of wonder, like, do you sell him to somebody who has Zeke, and that's probably your best chance at this point, or, you know, do you hold him for later in life? Who knows? I guess we'll see how it plays out. Um, the next guy I have on here is Nelson Aguilar. Now. He has his up and down weeks, guys. He has his up and down weeks. For me, he's so Deshaun Jackson. Am I crazy with that? Like, oh yeah, he's so you're Deshaun totally, Jackson. You're, you're totally crazy. They're not similar in any way. They are similar <laughs> in the way that one huge no, week and they disappear. What are you one huge week and then they disappear. Oh, Neil, Neil, Neil. They're not the same player, then, but yeah, okay. I get, I get where you're attempting to yeah. come from with this, but Nelson Aguilar's production has been extraordinarily predictable in the sense that his production is entirely volume related. He's seen 11 and 12 targets the last two games. It came because of a consolidated offense because they've had injuries in their wide receiver core. And he's the only wide receiver on that team that was there last year that is playing right now. So it makes sense that he's getting targeted a ton. It's early in the year. They've got guys like J.J. Arcega-Whiteside trying to learn the offense and become contributors. But until that happens, he's it. I mean, outside of Zach Ertz, he's it. He's the only one that they can throw the ball to. So until other players, either Deshaun Jackson or Alshon Jeffrey, get back on the field, it's the it's the Nelson Aguilar show. So I think it's completely different than a guy like Deshaun Jackson who – Deshaun Jackson can thrive in situations where there's other talent on the field because he's able to spread the defense, because he's able to get open downfield. And honestly, in that first week of the season, Deshaun Jackson showed a lot more than just that ability. But Nelson Aguilar, to me, he's a completely volume-dependent sort of slot wide receiver who is really right now just benefiting from volume of a consolidated offense. And while that continues, he's someone I trust. And the second that Alshon or Deshaun Jackson get back in the game, I think that trust diminishes greatly. All right. I hear you, man. So you are you trust him now while he's the only guy, then you don't trust him when he's not the only guy. I don't trust him at all because I can't deal with the inconsistency, period. Because um, even with those guys out, I still feel like he can have crappy games. I don't know. I don't, I don't trust him. I, I, I don't feel confident putting him in my lineup for whatever, whatever the reason is. Um, Josh? Yeah, he just he does not stand up to target competition. So as long as Alshon and Deshaun Jackson are out, he will get targets. But once once the quality comes back to that receiving core, he's gonna fall right back to where he was. Get next man up. Do we know when that is for either of those guys? Uh, there's some talk that Jeffrey could be back as early as this week. Okay. So what if one Desha- comes back? Deshaun looks like he should be out this week. So, so what if one comes if, back? If one comes back, it's going to shift targets enough in that offense that I'm not really going to feel comfortable starting those in Aguilar except as like a flex in deep leagues. Okay. I mean, as a flex in deep leagues, I could still see it. He saw five targets in week one with Deshaun Jackson and Alshon on the field. So you got to think that if one comes back, it's probably going to shift from this 11-12 range down to like 7-8. 
And, you know, unless he falls in the end zone at that point, you're probably looking at, like, a 5-for-50 kind of game. So he's like a floor play in PPR leagues with, you know, potential of having an okay week if he falls in the end zone. But, you know, if if both those guys miss again, he's going to keep seeing this large target share, and then he's basically like a must-start guy. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, so Aguilar, we only trust him when he's the only guy. Otherwise, if there's one other guy, he's a flex. If there's two guys, he's a no-go, period. Um, He's tempting, though. People are going to still roll the dice. Um, The last guy we have on the list for trust issues is, I think, someone you mentioned earlier, Will Disley. I don't know if we mentioned him earlier or not. I forget. Um, But, yeah, Will Disley, this guy has been on fire, man. He's been on fire. It seemed like he was going to go down this path last season until he got hurt. Um, And he's kind of started right back up where he left off. Not to mention, before we came on here, they just traded Nick Vanette to the Seahawks. They just traded him to the Steelers. Um, so that's less competition for him. So he's just been balling out. I think he's top 10 rest of the season. I don't even know if it's questionable at this point. Um, does anyone have no trust issues with this? Anyone have trust issues with this guy? No, Other than, other than injury, he's of got, course. Sorry. Four, 14 targets, 12 receptions on the season. He's number 10 in air yards. I think... I think Will Disley is going to continue to have a role in that offense. And, and I mean, all of these receivers that are on the other end of Russell Wilson are always just super efficient. Will Disley is showing us the same thing in a lot of ways. I, I think he's going to have a good season if he can stay healthy. Yeah. He's Wait, working. Josh, is he is he 10th in air yards on the season? For he among tight ends, yeah. Wow. He didn't play week one, did he? Or if he did, he played, like, extremely limited snaps. But I don't think he played. I'd have to double check for sure, but I, I didn't think that he did. I think that he. Ah oh, man, now I can't recall. Now I feel bad. One of a, one of us can check here. I think he did play. Yeah, I'm looking it up right sure. now. Oh, you're looking just it up. To, okay. Just to verify if uh, if my brain's. Just He's one of those guys that like I regret not buying him a little sooner before someone drafted him. Like, every draft, I was like, ah, he's going to get forgotten. He's going to get forgotten. I would, like, wait it and wait it and wait it. It's the same thing that happened actually happened with me with Waller in some cases, like in Scott Fishbowl and stuff. Like, I just thought, you know, they're not going to get drafted. They're not going to get drafted. And I just kept pushing them and pushing them, and then it burned me in a few leagues. So I got them in some leagues, don't have them in some leagues, but it's just another guy that I wish I would have got more of because I believed in him, but I just, you know, pushed it too far. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to just go ahead. Sorry, Josh. He played week one. He only played 50% of snaps, but he played. Yeah. Yeah. I just saw that as well. So I mean, he was only targeted twice, but yeah, it seems like he had a, a pretty, pretty normal snap share, honestly, in, in comparison to what he's done the last two weeks as well. So yeah. Um, I don't, I don't know where I was thinking with that, but I definitely echo what Neil was saying in regards to like, he was a player I liked. I, I own him on a couple dynasty rosters, but he just felt like somebody with the injury that, it felt like he was undraftable coming into the year for me. Um, and I, I wish he wasn't. I was happy that I, you know, after after week one, actually, I bought him in SFB. So I should have put two and two together there because I, uh, I didn't pick him up just last week. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, I think it's just, it's, it's a good situation moving forward, especially just because, I mean, that passing offense seems like it's really coming together. I mean, with, with what he's able to bring to it now with what Lockett's doing and TK Metcalf opening it up, like it, it's really, uh, it's really turning into something that could be exciting if they allowed it to be. Yeah. Has Russell ever had weapons like this? I don't, I mean, Doug Baldwin forever, but has he ever had a quality number two? No, I well, mean, this Jimmy definitely Graham, feels I like guess. the best, 
like core he's had around him. Yeah. I mean, even down to, I mean, yeah, I mean, even Chris Carson included in that. So, yeah, he uh, he definitely has probably the most he's ever had around him. But it'll be interesting to see if they allow him to open it up at all. Yeah, speaking of Chris, playing the Cardinals in Week Four, so yeah, start <laughs> if there was ever a week, <laughs> that would be it. And speaking of, because we, I don't think we talk about them anywhere else. I don't think we have anywhere else in the notes. Chris Carson, what's, I mean, how, how do you guys feel about this man? Do we have him anywhere else in the show in the notes? We don't. No, I mean, I. How do you feel about the situation? It's kind of. Dicey. I know Josh has been hoping that he, you know, gets slowly chipped away at, but it, to me, it's like. He's fumbling, which is the biggest issue. But Pete Carroll's coming out and saying that, you know, th- those have been just fantastic plays by the defense. Yeah, and that they're that. like really punching the ball out hard. So he's he's making excuses for Carson, and and those things may be true, they may not be true, whatever. The important thing in that is that he's speaking up for his running back, which just kind of makes you feel like that's the direction that they're going until further notice. Like Carson's still going to continue to get the work there. And I mean, when, when he sees the volume, it's pretty productive for fantasy. So, I mean, he's still for me, like a must-star guy. I know Josh ain't trying to hear that. Right, Josh. I I just, yeah, I think that Penny's going to get a shot and they're still running the ball 28 times a game. So there's room there, even if even if Carson is healthy and involved for for both of them did, to be did Penny viable. Do what did Penny, Penny didn't do anything last week. He was out. Oh, he was out. That's right. That's why Pro Size played. Okay, yeah. That's yeah. Right. yeah. Yeah, man. Damn, boy, you know, Pro Size come in there and steal your boy Penny's job. I hope not. I hope not, Josh. I hope not. All right. Well, that's why we didn't talk about the Seahawks because Penny didn't play, and so Josh didn't bring him up. That makes sense. All right, let's go to rank them. Rank them. We have some fun categories this week for rank them. Uh, the first one we have is most likely to fail in week four. We have McCoy. We have Lindsey, which he's never going to fail. I don't know why he's here. And Ingram. We'll let Adam start with this. You really want me to start, huh, Neil? Yeah, I do. <laughs> Uh, yeah, most likely to fail for me is, is Lindsey. Um, I mean, if you if you look just at what Mark Ingram has done so far this year, he is just he's locked into the volume on what's going to be one of the best rushing offenses in the NFL this year. I mean, what Lamar Jackson's able to do to open up that offense is gigantic, and they're willing to use Ingram at the goal line as they showed last week with his three touchdowns. I mean. They really they trust him, and I think that's going to go a long way, and he's going to have a lot of games where he falls into the end zone multiple times just because of how efficient they're going to be on offense. That sounds a lot like LaShawn McCoy's situation, <laughs> too, playing on the best offense in the NFL. So for me, those are two guys that, like, unless McCoy's injured, you can't really bench him either. So if I was sitting there with these three guys on my roster, Philip Lindsay would quickly become the odd man out, and... I mean, this week they're going up against Jacksonville that, you know, has a tough defense. And Lindsey plays on the worst team of these three. So I don't really think it's a situation where, like, it's anything against Lindsey as an individual talent. 
that being said, when you're in this sort of situation, like it can only keep going well for so long and eventually game script's just going to take over and you're not going to have as many opportunities to score touchdowns as these other guys. Josh, tell this guy he's wrong, Josh. I think it's I think it's LaShawn McCoy. I mean, he has he has looked fine so far, but he's starting to rack up injury. I, I think that LaShawn McCoy will be very easily replaced in that Chiefs backfield. And uh, as far as Philip Lindsay goes, uh, he he has actually found a way to expand what he does into the passing game, right? Him and Freeman, I think, have pretty close to the same number of targets on the year. So that, that was a big surprise for me. Um, that makes me value Lindsay a lot more. Uh, Ingram... Ingram is probably the most solid running back on this list, but I, I think LaShawn McCoy is the, the trap. Yeah, and just so people know who they're playing next week, we got LaShawn McCoy is at Detroit. We have Lindsey is playing at home versus the Jaguars. Ah, Jaguars, Jags. And who else did we say? Where is he at? Damn, where is he at? The Ravens are playing the Ravens. Browns Yeah, Ravens at are playing home. the Browns at home. So if you're a matchup guy, I know some people don't give a shit about matchups, but um, they have some decent matchups, a little interesting matchup-wise. No one's playing the Dolphins, so there's no freebies. But I, I put I put McCoy first, too, kind of for the same reasons Josh said. Obviously, I put Lindsey first as not to fail, but Ingram has been very consistent. You know you know who – I mean, I haven't heard many people talk about it all this year, and that's Gus Edwards. He hasn't been half bad. It's true. He does seem like he's getting more work than Justice Hill right now, too, which is unfortunate for all of us who are all (laughs) pretty big on Justice Hill coming into the year, which, I mean, for me, I I love the uh, overreaction to all of the zero running back targets after the first three weeks they didn't hit. Like, do people have any idea what what zero RB is about? Like, it's... a it's not something where you're going to hit on guys in the first three weeks. I mean, you're going to hit on like the Austin Ecklers of the world, but you're not going to hit on, you know, your rookie running back that you drafted behind three potential starters. So I don't know. I think it's been funny to watch how, how people are freaking out about justice Hill and Darwin Thompson and Daryl Henderson and all these guys who, you know, are extremely young. Yeah, there was the uh, Twitter was going a little crazy the other day about, you know, zero running backs and, you know, whether people were having any success with it. Um, who was it that I seen tweet about that? They kind of, I don't know if he started the, <laughs> the debate, but um, Andy, Andy Singleton was talking about that he wanted to see t- people's, uh, you know, teams that had zero running backs and had winning records. And that got people, you know, got people going, which. Oh. I wish I would have seen that tweet because I tweeted out today. I was looking at my uh, top scoring best ball team so far, and I was really surprised. My three highest scoring best ball teams so far this season are all zero running back builds and are all uh, Chargers stacks with uh, Austin Eckler. Yeah. So. yeah. His actual tweet was, I want to see some zero running back rosters with winning records. Prove me wrong. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Guess he doesn't believe too much in zero running back. <laughs> Lots of people don't. It's I mean, a fun, let, fun thing not to believe in. Let's look at the other argument. So if you if you didn't go zero RB, you, then you're drafting running backs in rounds three through seven. So Aaron Jones, 
Josh Jacobs. He's, he, his, his definition of it was like people who took their first running back within like around five or six round. That's how he looked at it, at least. That's how he described it, I believe, if I read it correctly. I mean, that is that is zero running back. Yeah. Zero running back is typically fading at least the first four rounds. I mean, really, if you want to go based off of, like, Andy Fragility and Sean Siegel's initial uh, article that he written about, wrote about the topic, I mean, he was talking about six, seven, eight straight rounds before you take a running back. So um, there's definitely different levels to it but yeah i think i think it's pretty fair to say it's got to be at least the first four yeah. rounds before you take a running back i agree yeah, my point was like look at the running backs that went in rounds three four five six it, it's a whole lot of it's a whole lot of landmines even just in week three i mean latavius murray darius geis miles sanders which one of those guys is carrying your roster so you're, so you're in agreement yeah, with Andy. Let's here. not talk about Miles Sanders. I think he's destroyed a lot of my rosters. <laughs> yeah, he yeah. was he was a zero running back favorite too, though. So, so that's well, that's where the over. I think that's where like the the rounds three through seven things tough because that's also. I mean, if you're drafting zero running back, most people are drafting running backs in that three through seven round as well. So I think like the whole anti zero running back thing is really more running backs in the first two rounds, which is. You know, great if you drafted Christian McCaffrey in the first and Dalvin Cook in the second. But, you know, if you drafted Saquon, now you've potentially lost Saquon. Um, you know, if you drafted Mixon or Connor or any of these other guys that were going at the end of the first round in a lot of drafts, you're not happy. If you drafted Gurley, if you drafted Damian Williams, these were all first and second round running backs. But we quickly forget about those because we remember the Christian McCaffreys and the Alvin Kamara's. And the you know Le'Veon Bell's of the world, like it, it's a give and take at both positions. I mean, already though, you can see half and half have basically fallen out, and half are you know performing like you expected them to. Yeah, I feel like my SFB team is like a real zero running back team, and I'm curious to see how it plays out. That's my like real test dummy right there to see how how it plays out. Because, man, you guys know who I had there. It wasn't pretty the second it happened. So <laughs> it hasn't shaped up any better since then. So I'm curious to see how it plays out. But, you know, there's going to be – there's no perfect formula. So some people are going to win with it. Some people aren't. Just like they're going to – just just like vice versa. It is what it is. When it, when it hits, I think it really hits. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you're just going to get unlucky. But when it hits, it hits. I agree. All right. To the next rank them, we have guys that are going to come alive in week four. Let's rank these guys. We have Juju. Adam helped me out here, I think, with these uh, where they placed last week. He, he said uh, Juju was wide receiver 20. No, this is what they are on the season. Oh, on the season. Okay, so this is season. Yeah, this Juju is, where is on the season. wide receiver 27 in PPR, which everybody told me he was better than AB, so I'm waiting for that to happen still. Um, Adams, wide receiver 47. That sucks a lot. And Diggs is definitely killing a lot of people. Wide receiver 72. Yikes. Man. Whew. Now, this is an argument for people who go running backs early, right? Because <laughs> these are the guys Dude, those guys drafted if they didn't go yeah, zero running back. Exactly. I mean, this is that flip side of the coin. It's the same at both positions. I mean, you could have drafted Julio or you could have drafted Devonta Adams. You know, Julio's the number two wide receiver through the first three weeks. Devonta Adams is wide receiver 47. So, like, there's landmines at both positions. I mean, it, 
it's interesting though when you see these type of talents performing at this level i mean honestly like initially it was funny when i went to pick these guys i saw juju and i was like oh man i've got to find other wide receivers that have performed this bad out the jump and i quickly remember devonta adams but it's crazy how quickly you can forget about a player because i've just completely forgotten about Stefan Diggs, like his existence <laughs> in three weeks. Cause Jeez. he's basically playing like he doesn't exist out there. Yep. Um, so for me, like he's the one that I'm, I'm most afraid of. So he'd be at the bottom of this list for me. The real question now is like, who's going to come alive between Devonta Adams and Juju. And I mean, you, you gotta think that the one that has Aaron Rodgers throwing on the ball has the best chance of coming alive. I mean, Devonta Adams, for most people, was a wide receiver one, wide receiver two coming into the year. It was really a question between him and Hopkins. And I know a lot of people take Adams. I took Adams in a fair amount of drafts as the wide receiver one. So I feel like for him, it definitely feels more like it's only a matter of time. But I definitely don't like the prospects for him going forward just because of the change in the offense overall so if i'm talking just coming alive in week four for me it's devonta adams just because i think rogers has the ability to just target him 12 times and just have him have a phenomenal game and juju's handcuffed by now terrible quarterback play but uh yeah and and Diggs's offense is just i i don't know I don't know what the Vikings are going to do if they keep winning, just running the ball like crazy, because they will. They're just going to keep doing it. So, yeah. I was paying super attention to the Vikings yesterday. I mean, last week, because they play the Raiders, of course. And, like, the number, I forget what exactly it was. It was, like, 19 wins and one loss when they give Dalvin Cook the ball a certain amount of times. It was, like, some crazy, ridiculous stat. And I was like, yeah, Damn. but those stats are always tilted because any team that wins a game or is winning a game is Random. going to run more yeah. towards the end. Yeah. So like, I don't know. It, it I, I kind of hate when they use stats like that. because yeah. They're very uh, influenced by the game flow. But I mean, he, he's just nasty. My, my, my thing with Diggs though is like, you know, they went off against the Raiders and it's like, he still didn't really do anything. So it's like, man, if you're not, if you know, if your whole team's going off and you're like not a part of that, it's kind of like what's going on. You know what I mean, and I don't know whose fault it is. I don't know, you know, what the regression is about, but I'm with you as far as you got to put him last. I do put Adams ahead of Juju, like you said, because of Rogers. Um, if big Ben was still there, uh, it's a little closer, you know what I mean? So, um, that's, that's the big change, obviously. Um, and you know, MVS and stuff is doing good in, in green Bay too, man. That's hurting Adams. But, um, yeah, I think that's the order you have to put him in unless Josh sees something differently here. Actually, as you toss it up to Josh, I want to pose this to Josh. If you do put it in the same order and you do have Diggs at the bottom of this, is Diggs even startable this week against Chicago? Jeez. I mean, how many times are they going to throw the ball against Chicago? I don't, I don't think it's going to be I don't think it's going to be pretty. So, how about how about this? If you had DJ Chark on your team, are you ever playing Diggs again this year? I would start Chark over Diggs. Every week, I'm, right? <laughs> I mean, and that's I wouldn't crazy necessarily thing. say every week because I think if you move forward and Diggs like, all of a sudden starts to rebound after a couple weeks of Diggs performing at a high level again, I could see making the switch back. But, like, yeah, a guy like TJ McLo- or Terry McLaurin, a guy like DJ Chark, like, these are guys who, at this point, after three weeks, they've – proven it to us i i feel like yeah as far as like it it 
if you see it this many times, like after you get through three weeks of the season, you really just have to start going off the data that we have for this year. Like whatever you thought coming into the year, I don't necessarily throw it out the window, but you have to downgrade it dramatically. So a guy like Stefan Diggs, you, you have to judge the situation. The situation is he's just not getting the ball. Period. No, it, his targets so far this year, Stefan Diggs, are two, one, and three targets. Jesus. That's terrible. I mean, and, uh, you know, Kirk Cousins had that crazy week one where he only threw the ball 10 times, but then in week two, 32 attempts. In week three, 21. So, I mean, what? I, I don't think you can start digs until something changes. Yeah, I uh, I don't know. It's funny. This offseason, I bailed on digs in two different dynasty leagues and uh, kind of felt dumb about it in a, like a little bit. Like I felt like I was trying to be, quote, unquote, too smart for my own good. And now I feel great about those moves. So... Yeah, it's it's kind of crazy what an offense can do because I think we all know that Diggs is a supremely talented player. Yeah, nobody can win with that kind of targets, really. You know, it's just, I don't know, man. Dalvin Cook is really ate into everybody else getting love, man. Just was this what it is. And uh, we'll see if they have to, we'll see if they get forced to balance it out a little more, right? That's just what it's going to come down to because as long as they keep winning games like they are, they're not going to stop it. <laughs> All right, uh, the last ranking we have here is streamers of week four. We have Daniel Jones, the new star quarterback in New York. That that touchdown was sweet at the end. Uh, and we got Kyle Allen, possibly Cam Newton's, you know, might be his next, you know, might be his chance right here, might be the next guy after Cam. And then we got Adam's favorite quarterback, Case Keenum. Um, how do we rank these guys? We're going to let Josh start this time. So first of all, let me just thank Case Keenum for getting me this far in the season. And some of my Superflex teams, I really do appreciate Case Keenum's work. <laughs> but um, yeah, Kevin, in week four, I I don't know how you, you're not going to go with Daniel Jones after what he just did. I don't expect him to score two rushing touchdowns every week. But I would, I would definitely want to play him. They're playing against the Redskins. That doesn't scare me too much. Kyle Allen has a like a pretty good matchup against the Texans, so I you know I would just take Daniel Jones because of the rushing upside, and then Case Keenum we just mentioned playing the Giants uh, that's that's tight. I I think I would just keep them like they are though Daniel Jones Kyle Allen Case Keenum. And the other thing you got to wonder about with Keenum is when are they going to replace him? You know, you keep hearing things yeah. about Dwayne Haskins coming soon and the you know, Redskins are suffering, so it's like get him in there now. So we'll see how, how much longer Case Keenum is saving your Superflex teams. I know he's helping Adam out a lot too because that was, that was Adam's boy, man. Adam's getting lucky so far with that quarterback shit, especially in our auction leagues. He's getting, he's getting lucky over there with those quarterbacks. I'm 0-6, so you paying no. attention to that league? No, but I'm saying like they've actually been like, you know, they've been doing no, it's, well. It's true yeah that they've worked out great yeah all of the players that i picked that i thought were locks though <laughs> the juju smith schusters and tyree kills of the world yeah that they're not they're not doing much <laughs> yeah so it's funny but, how that's happened how yeah. like you know how it's played out for you yeah it's been it's been fun <laughs> adam i remember somebody i think it was jennifer eakins on twitter tweeting out how she hated like the seven eight nine spots to draft and i I said to her, I said that the Juju Tyreek life is the best life. That's the best way to start a draft. <laughs> and 
it's not working out so great. Has an not, well. not great, Bob. Not great. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it's funny amongst this group. Like, I I cannot not start Case Keenum, guys. He's scored over twenty points every single week so far. He's consistent. That's that's the thing. Like that that's the thing that has me locked in on Case Keenum. It's just he's he's been reliable, and these other two rookies have been amazing in each of their starts. But for me, like. I'm going to stick with reliability. If, I, if I'm if i looking amongst the three of them, unless I really think that I need a quarterback to go off this week, like I just look at my opponent's team and think that I'm going to need to score a ton of points to keep up with what they're putting out there, I'm probably going to roll Case Keenum top of this group. Um, after that, I think, I think Daniel Jones just stands out. I mean, just after what he was able to do last week, I mean, that was crazy. So he has the ability with his rushing to just have these huge weeks. I mean, Konami code is real, so he would definitely be number two, potentially number one if you wanted to go for just the high upside lower floor play. I'm doing it. I, I think I'd be happy streaming any of these three guys. Yeah. I, I, and I You know, Adam went different than Josh, and I go different all year. I'm actually starting – I would start Kyle Allen over all these guys. Um, really, even against the Texans, who yeah. I mean have looked pretty pretty okay just, on defense. I just like his weapons the most, man, and I, and I just think he's. I feel like he's ready for some yeah. reason. I don't know why, and I like the weapons, and I feel like he's gonna he's gonna do just fine. Keenum, I'm you know like you said, Keenum's been consistent, and you know there's not much going run game wise there, but I'm still just worried about when teams start losing how they're losing, like how that starts affecting everybody. So I don't I don't know. I don't feel strong about him, but Daniel Jones also with Barkley gone, like. I don't know, man. The people know what he is now, what he's capable of. One week is sometimes all they need to start game planning for a guy. You know, I don't know. I, I feel like I like Allen the most. Then I'll go Daniel Jones. Then Case Keenum. It's just how we're going to do this, man. So we all feel differently about this. But the main thing is we all feel good about all of them as far as if you have to stream them. Um, so we all feel pretty confident in that. I'm telling you, these quarterbacks that are coming in filling in for guys, man, they're, they're not letting us down, man. They're not disappointing. It's fun. It's fun stuff. It is. I enjoy it. All right. Um, the NFL is better with Gardner Minshew in it. That's a fact. On to our not so obvious locks of the week. Now, first of all, let's talk about last week's before we go into our new week's locks of the weeks. <laughs> not pretty. Not pretty. Do any one of you have a list up with the four guys? I don't have it in front of me right now, but um, I know it was it's Matt Breida. Uh-huh. Jason Witten, D.D. Westbrook, and Peyton Barber. Okay, so I had Peyton Barber. That definitely was a fail. Uh, Brita was. Are we do? Are we all in agreement that Brita won this? I mean, won by default, and I picked Brita, so <laughs> that's saying something. I mean, he had ten point eight PPR points. 88 yards in a standard league, like, if you still play standard, getting, you know, 8.8 points, that's pretty decent, but uh, in a PPR league, I wouldn't really be that happy with it. It wasn't what I was, like, when I, I I honestly feel like on a week like this, nobody should win. (laughs) Like, legitimately. I feel like. Like, if you started any of these guys, you weren't happy with their production, so why are we going to act like one was the best of the worst. It's right. not worth it. Yeah. I feel like we should change this to the not so obvious flex lock of the week. 
Yeah, that makes sense. That makes more sense, right? I mean, I think that's kind of what we've been doing so yeah, far. Yeah, I just want people to yeah, know. So. I want people to know. because like, true. Yeah, we're giving names. These are, yeah. I mean, these are definitely flex-type plays. These are these are not intended to be your every-week starters. Right. These are intended to be guys that you are looking to try and make decisions between each week. These, these are guys that we feel confident in that are on the fringe of who you might see you know deem startable depending on how deep your league is right how beat up your team is how deep the league is if you know i don't know how deep your rosters are it just all depends on the variable of things so let it be known that we're not saying these guys are you know these studs of you know the whole fantasy football world we're just talking about you're in a tough bind you got a bunch of guys you try to pick off of waivers or you got some guys on your bench you're not sure who to start these are your guys you would flex and we feel good about them um so yeah we'll say no one won last week because it was all kind of a blur <laughs> no no one really stood out not even our our guest peters um stud i mean you know, lock of the week so no one really stood out um so let's try again in week four um does anyone want to start does anyone feel you know i'll start jump out there okay josh go ahead so my uh my flex lock of the week is going to be curtis samuel in in week three playing his first game with kyle allen he was targeted seven times. No other Carolina pass catcher was targeted more than twice. Okay, and so Samuel, although he does, you know, he does have the ability to deliver those downfield splash plays, he was used in a very low dot role last week, close to the line of scrimmage, short passes. So this week in week four, he'll be playing the Texans. We just saw the Chargers play the Texans, and Keenan Allen ran away with that game. So, so my hope is that one Kyle Allen will continue to, uh, you know, stare down Curtis Samuel through the whole game and only throw the ball to him, and that the the low A dot thing is something the Texans are either willing to give up or can't defend, and that that trend continues. So, so Curtis Samuel will be starting in my flex wherever I have him. Nice. How do you feel about that, Adam? I mean. I feel like it's, you know, it's not the most fringy play. No, I, I definitely think that Curtis Samuel, especially now with the, you know, change in quarterback um, for him to produce last week and then, you know, to expect him to produce going forward, I think it's definitely a more risky play. But I, I definitely understand the upside. I mean, he he's one of those type of players that, He's explosive, so even if he only gets a couple targets, he can, you know, have a big fantasy game. So, for me, I mean, I'm shifting to a guy who, honestly, I feel like through the first three weeks has had production, but has, like, he's almost like a fire waiting to start. So, um, for me, it's Preston Williams. Uh he got 12 targets last week against Dallas, and I feel like with that amount of volume, if that carries over, especially with Josh Rosen getting the start, if that continues, I feel like he's just he's just one game away from being able to have that spark week where he actually has everything line up and, and he has a productive week. So he's kind of just had those games below the surface, you know, you know, four catches, 60 yards, those type of games, these first three weeks. But I feel like if his target share continues from where it was last week, he can definitely look to have a huge game. Preston Williams is the best wide receiver on the Miami Dolphins. 
Oh, yeah. I, I honestly think there's no question, which is just hilarious with uh, how everyone expected that wide receiver core to look coming into the year. I mean, especially even with Kenny Stills there and not there, but, you know, between Devonta Parker, Love, and all the... Um, Albert Wilson. Albert Wilson, thank you, Love. I mean, like, yeah, nobody really saw Preston Williams coming. Yeah. They, the, the the Dolphins are still just piling and piling air yards on Devontae Parker, and he just sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he is just doing absolutely nothing with 433 air yards on the year. Yeah. yeah. You only know about Preston if you were paying attention to, you know, preseason stuff and, all, you know, all the offseason camp stuff. And that's why I say, man, like, you know, guys like him, if you pay attention to the, you know, the local beat writers and stuff, like, you'll get a little, you know, a little edge sometimes because some people did pick him up pretty early because of, you know, stuff they were hearing out of camp. You know, the concern is you never know if it carries over. But, you know, obviously with him and what they've decided to just, you know, fail at everything, he's actually worked out. So. It's good. It's good for him, and I think he'll just continue to grow. And we'll be, it'll be interesting to see him when he has an actual team around him. Um, all right, my guy, I'm going completely homer here, uh, super deep. I'm going J.J. Nelson. Um, yeah, baby, here we go. So listen, he started in in off season, in off season and stuff. They were throwing, they were targeting him a lot, right, in training camp. And I was like, damn, is J.J. Nelson really gonna you know do something with this team because they're targeting him an awful lot. And then he had an ankle injury, didn't play at the beginning of the season. He came back in week three, caught a 36 yards and a touchdown. I don't know if you guys seen the touchdown. It was a nice play. He only had five targets, so not as much targets as the guys you guys are talking about right now. Um, but I feel like easing him back into play, the Raiders have no chance other than, you know, throwing the ball and getting things going with Jacobs. But um, I feel like, you know, J.J. Nelson has a chance to be the fast guy, take the top off of defense. Make a big play, and I feel like with these flex guys, you guys know how I like big play, you know, guys. He's one of those guys. He has the potential to make one big touchdown, and if he gets a 50 yards and a touchdown, he'll knock your guys off this list. I don't even care about your guys. So I'm going with J.J. Nelson. They like him. They need him. They need some weapon. The Raiders are desperate at this point, and I don't know if you guys have noticed, but they only have this guy named Waller doing stuff, so uh, they got to help Waller out. So throw the ball deep, open things up the middle. Hand the ball to Jacobs. JJ Nelson's the guy, man. I'm you basically just found your new Seth Roberts club. <laughs> Seth Roberts couldn't do what JJ Nelson does, man. Seth Roberts was a slot guy. No, different players, same fantasy production. We'll see. We'll see, Adam. I, I mean, people have been waiting on JJ Nelson to pop for like five years. Well, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Dude, he averages like almost 18 yards per catch. It's hilarious um, for his career. It's interesting stuff. But yeah. I'm going with J.J. Nelson, so I'm putting him in my flex. All right. We'll see how we do this. You know, I'll throw it up on Twitter. We'll see where everyone leans. My early prediction is they lean Samuel with Josh. You think so, Adam? Shocking. He's the big name. He's the, he's the more yeah. common name. What's funny with Samuel is, so. like, coming into the season, a lot of people raved about him. Then week one, he sucked. Week two, he sucked. And then this week, Cam's out, and he does good. Mm, I don't know. We'll see if it's a flash or if he actually holds on to it all right so that's our uh not so obvious flex locks of the week and this i love this segment it's just adjusting itself weekly um all right on to foul or no foul so we can close this show out i stuck with all sports topics today mostly football um the first one i don't know if you guys seen um trey aikman recently took some shots at, pa- at Mahomes. you guys seen it 
sort of. Who took Trageman? He said like, uh, let him know when he's won thirty three percent of the rings that he has. You know, basically saying, let me know when he wins the Super Bowl. Like otherwise, like whatever. So uh, my Fowler no foul for this one is Aikman is super fucking salty. Fowler no foul. <laughs> does Does Troy Aikman think he's good? Uh, apparently, he's saying that Mahomes ain't until he gets some rings. Troy, Troy Aikman knows that like Emmett Smith and the rest of that team carried him, right? Like apparently not. <laughs> I I am one hundred percent on the Patrick Mahomes side of this. I can't he, believe it. he will pass Troy Aikman's career stats in every way, shape, and form, as well as Super Bowls. How many Super Bowls <laughs> did Aikman win? Three. Yeah, that's not that tough. <laughs> that is classic it's not even hard i, I mean, mean it really like the real question is how long are tom brady how long is brady gonna play and how long is belichick gonna coach because that's the only thing that's gonna stand in patrick Mahomes' way of just annihilating super bowls pretty much so yeah uh i don't know i mean i think that Aikman said that responding to something that was circling around. Uh, I, I don't know the exact context, but my, my understanding is that there was something that was publicized. I think it might've even been by NFL.com that was stating uh, Patrick Mahomes, like uh, career stats so far being such and such percentage of, Troy Aikman's entire career stat. Um, <laughs> so he yeah. tried to defend so, himself. So yeah, it was essentially him saying like, "Hey, yeah, let me know when he actually wins some Super Bowls because that's all Troy Aikman's gonna have against Patrick Mahomes in like four years." I mean, it's just it's it's gonna happen. I mean, Mahomes is he's something else, and he's playing in a league that's so much different than the league that you know Aikman even played in, just in regards to overall passing volume. So. It's it's not really, I don't know. I wouldn't say it's not necessarily fair to compare stats, but yeah, I mean, Mahomes is is obviously going to shatter at him from a statistical standpoint. Yeah. So I mean, it'll be interesting to see just, if he gets even Super Bowls to back him. Mahomes is going to destroy him, even on on a per attempt basis. Oh, for sure. Salty, salty Troy, salty Troy. We don't care why you're saying he's salty. Um, next one. Antonio Brown will not play football again this season. Foul or no foul? No think, foul. He'll, he'll never play football again, period, I think. Ooh, never again. I think he's done. I don't know. I might be crazy, but I, I think he's done. I, I think that he's done because I think that uh, I want to – I guess I should say I want him to be done because I want the NFL to be done with him. Yeah, this has been a whole lot of bad press for him. I I don't know. Maybe it's best if he is done. At the very least, like, come on, bro. Your agent needs to say, let's step away for a year. Let's fix our image. Let's get our head right. Let's get everything together, and then maybe we can try another thing, you know, another shot at this. But, like, when Drew Rosenhaus came out right away and he was like, oh, Antonio Brown is healthy and excited to play for any team, it's like, bro, seriously? Like, you don't know when to People quit. People just trying to make money. Like, jeez, man. Like, let this guy breathe, man. So, I mean, that's that's part of the reason why these guys get like this is there's just people just keep pushing them. 
Just yeah. let it go, if man. If anyone around Antonio Brown actually cared about him, I think they'd be trying to get him into some sort of like rehab or some something. Because yeah. the guy obviously needs some help right now. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm saying or no needs foul. To be in jail. <laughs> I'm saying no foul. Which Adam, like you said, with the same mentality, of, I'm just hoping that everyone around him and the NFL let him sit out for a year. I don't know if he'll never play again. I'm, 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 he may. But as far as not this season, I would like to see it not this season. So we'll see how that plays out. Um, the next one might be the last one. Uh, Saquon Barkley will miss less than five games. Foul or no foul? Foul. I think he's out six. I would I would bet six. You I'd take the over. that over. Okay. Adam? Um, I'm saying hard foul. I think it's bad. I think it's really bad. I think that most of the time when you see an injury like this where, you know, he's injured on Sunday, there's no news on Monday, there's no news now all the way through Tuesday, the only news that we've gotten is that he's getting a second opinion, which is never a good sign. Um, I think we might be potentially looking at, you know, 10 games to out the whole year. Um, I'm not sure what the injury is. I, I, I don't. I don't know. Oh, you're not a doctor? Uh, I tend to know. Yeah. I thought you were Sorry. a doctor for some reason. Doctor? Doctor? No. <laughs> Dr. Adam. Yeah. So we all aboard the uh, Wayne Gallman Express then? or? <laughs> I, I mean, I think so, honestly. They've, they've kept him there. Like, you know, they seem to utilize him pretty heavily once Sparkly went out. So I think that there's really no reason... I mean, unless they bring in, like, C.J. Anderson, I feel like that's the only one, the only, like, free agent that's lurking out there that, you know, he was just on a team that if he were to get brought in, it could potentially, you know, mix things up to a point where I don't want to own Gallman. But I think outside of that, I'm pretty much thinking that he's he's a guy that you should really be targeting on waivers. I mean, he's going to get a ton of opportunity, and it's – basically an ascending offense now with Daniel Jones. I mean, they're, you know, they have potential to have some spark. That, that is the thing is I think like on the week one, week two giants, Wayne Goldman would have been um, nothing. But now that you've got a, a new team, basically with Daniel Jones playing, you know, Gus Edwards looked good with Lamar Jackson. So I, Wayne Goldman has a chance. I think that that running back role in the Giants offense will shrink and it may even be divided compared to what we saw with Saquon. But if that offense is going to be markedly improved with Daniel Jones, Wayne Goldman may just be along for the ride. Yep, I agree. I checked in some leagues. Some people already owned him in some leagues. I was like, damn it, some of you were quick on this, man. Some people already had their backup, I guess, right? Just in case Saquon went down anyway. All right, um, that's actually all I have for Foul or No Foul. So that's it. All we have left to close this bad boy out is show and tell. I know, Adam, I know you said you came prepared. You have a show and tell for us today? I do, especially gift wrap for Neil because it's a murder podcast. <laughs> oh, what? Let's yeah, see, let's see if I've heard it yet. Let's see if, you, let's see if I've heard it yet. <clears throat> um, so this is actually one from Tenderfoot TV, which is the production company that did the Up and Vanish series, the first two seasons of that, which uh, I might – huge fan of and and really i mean i think any time that one of these um murder podcasts <laughs> uh, <laughs> can 
actually cause a case to be reopened. I mean, that's really best case scenario for any of these. So that that's amazing. And that's what Up and Vanish was able to do in the first season. And I think that that in itself, like, attracts me so much to, you know, the content that they produce. But uh, this podcast is called Culpable. And it's actually about a death that was ruled a suicide uh, and about the search by the, well, I shouldn't say the search, it's really the push of the family to have it reinvestigated. And it's a really, it's a really interesting podcast just in the way of which it, you know, shows how families a lot of times after someone dies, they, you know, they, they don't have a lot of control over how the judicial process kind of takes hold, uh, especially in situations where something is deemed a suicide or if it's like deemed a death by drugs. Um, a lot of times the, the family of the deceased won't have really any control over how that, that whole situation plays out. So it plays a lot into that and uh, particularly talks a lot about what seems like a lot of incompetence on the part of the police force or direct negligence um it's it's a really interesting podcast just in the sense of like i've listened to a lot of true crime podcasts that have um dealt with different scenarios but this is the first time i've ever listened to something that was about a death that was ruled a suicide um, where the family doesn't believe that it was a suicide and they believe it was a homicide and, and want it to be reinvestigated. Uh, and, yeah, I definitely recommend it. It was really compelling and very well done. And it's a whole series on just one murder, or is it a bunch of different ones every episode? No, no, it's it's a whole series on, on one murder. So it's like 15 episodes. They've got a couple Q&As in there, so I think it's like 18 episodes total with the Q&As. Um, but, yeah, it's told linearly um, and just stays on that one case the whole time perfect just subscribed <laughs> just added it to the playlist you know i can't get enough of those man cannot get enough of them and if it's by is it by tenderfoot you said yeah it is yeah they knock they knock them out of the park so i'm with it all right just put it down i'll come back to you let's see how quick i get through it let's see if by next episode i say how i felt about it um because i probably will all right josh you have one today yeah, I just saw that Michael Crabtree was rela- released by the Cardinals. And so, you know, I, he he does not get enough credit. He was a very good player, did, you know, had had some very good productive years with the Raiders on not great teams. I, I hope that he gets, he gets some respect post-career. I don't know. Sad to see him go. You think he's done? Yeah, I think it's probably it. I think the Cardinals needed wide receivers pretty bad <laughs> when they when they signed him and to let him go three weeks in. I think they have found out that he's not adding much. But but at one point in his career, he was a very good player, and you know he deserves some respect. Minus, minus the fact that he got his chain snatched twice. Yeah, <laughs> I never respected yeah, that. Like, Talibs twice got him. It was it was a keep to leave both times, right? Yep, as a Raider, and he was a Bronco. Killed me, man. I was like, damn, Michael Crouchy got punked twice, and this can't do this. Can't let this keep happening. A keep to leave is just a punk. Like all <laughs> cornerbacks are just assholes, aren't they? Like, 
Josh with the fire takes today. Three Super Bowls, that's nothing. Quarterbacks are assholes, hey, aren't they? I looked, I looked that up. So they were saying that Patrick Mahomes already has like a third of Troy Aikman's career stats in 8% of the games. And so he, he had to come back and say, let me know when he has a third of my Super Bowl titles. Oh, but, still like, salty ass. He should have been like, nah, from what right. I remember, Troy Aikman was really good at getting concussions. And <laughs> yeah, that's Josh, about it. Yo, Adam, I don't know if you tell, if you could tell this, but Josh got a new mic and he is just firing at people, man. He's letting <laughs> he's letting that oh, go. He's firing away. I hear he's letting all that southern charm flow. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's firing out there, man. All right, yeah. So that's 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 okay. All right, my show would tell. I don't know if you guys seen this, but if you haven't seen this, uh, did you guys see the Eagles fan talk about Nelson Aguilar? Yes. Okay. Yes. So this was awesome. Yeah, after saving babies from a burning. Yeah. <laughs> let, let me read the actual stuff that he said to the news person. He said, I see a guy hanging out the window screaming that his kids was in there, things like that. So I ran to the back door to see if it was open and it was, I ran upstairs and I was greeted with smoke. I ran back downstairs by the time the ladder truck was pulling up. My man just started throwing babies out the window and we was catching them. Unlike Aguilar. And when oh, he does it, if you see his face, the face he makes when he says it is hilarious. It says everything oh, you see. Oh, it's so good. I watched it like 10 times. It yeah. was so good. It was an instant. That is the best use of like 15 minutes of fame <laughs> I've ever heard. And to, to follow it up, Aguilar did say thank you to this guy for being a hero. He would like to invite him and his family to the next home game. Twitter helped him find the guy, and they did find the guy. So, uh, Yeah, I saw that. It was awesome, man. Oh. I love how Aguilar responded to it, too. Like, that's perfect. Yeah, it was all perfect. That is. That was very classy. Like, he did not have to say anything. No. So, yeah, that was awesome. That became GIF-worthy immediately. GIF, GIF, whatever you want to say. Uh, That face he made was awesome. So, unlike Aguilar, when he looked at the camera, I was like, yo, Philly fans are crazy. This is unacceptable. On the news, he was throwing babies out, and we caught him unlike Aguilar. I was like, oh, brutal. <laughs> Which is so harsh because Aguilar had a phenomenal game, <laughs> but he had two like Big key drops, drops and that I mean that's that's what homerism, that's what that like hardcore fanship will do. Oh. Just remember that those <laughs> failures. Classic. Yeah. So if you haven't seen oh, it yet, really. definitely go check it out. But definitely use it all the time if you can. Um, all right, that's all we have for today, guys. That's it. Adam, they could find you at the other FF guy. Josh, they can find you at JC Crocker. What's the latest article you got coming out or you have out? Andy Reid, Honey Badger, Week Three waiver targets. All right. Andy Reid doesn't care. Doesn't care. <laughs> go He'll check play Darrell Williams, Nicole Hardman. You know, you don't care. So go check that out. If you don't already have your alerts on for Josh, it's at JC Crocker. I'll turn on your notifications and you will get those articles. Clock Dodgers at Clock Dodgers everywhere you go. That's where you can find us. Shout out to everybody who subscribed. If you're just listening and you're not subscribed, shame on you. We're very disappointed. We hope that you subscribe. Um, Thank you for all the reviews, all that good stuff. Just keep them coming. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. As always, be kind, be great, keep dying.
Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.